Welcome to another Sustainable Wine podcast, and I am delighted that joining me in this podcast is Hervé Bellon, who's the CEO of Chateau Montrose in Bordeaux. So welcome to the podcast, Hervé. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you very much. I mean, we are, we are under a beautiful sunshine in Bordeaux. I mean, this is winter. Winter has started. There's no leaves anymore on the vines, but we're happy. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Challenging times as we talk here in November 2020 um, with COVID and so on, but I think we've all had enough conversations about that for now. Today, we're going to talk about your sustainability journey right at the end of the D2 on the left bank of Bordeaux in Saint-Estephe. Montrose is a, a world-famous chateau that makes some, some lovely wines. But before we talk about the chateau, I mean, t- just tell us about your personal story. I mean, you, you've worked, I think, your whole career in wine. So tell us a bit about yourself and, and what you've been doing at Montrose in recent years. Um, well, personally, I've was in, uh, been in the wine business for more than 40 years. I started my uh, wine career at Mouton back in 1977. wasn't the best year to start wasn't it? And uh, it was not a great, a great vintage, but it, was, it really gave me the feeling for making the, my, my career in the, wine, in the wine trade, and I have absolutely no regret. I mean, uh, I became an enthusiast very quickly after, and I've, uh, you know, done my career mostly at Mouton, where I stayed for 36 years, and I was then asked by Martin Brie to join him at Chateau Montrose and become the CEO of Montrose. And it was for me a new challenge. And I was, you know, after 36 years, I've done my time at Mouton. I've done what I could do. And there was still many things to do. But the challenge at Montrose was, uh, uh, was very nice. Uh, there was everything to do um, in terms of um, uh, new development. Uh, that we, in particular, we are going to talk about sustainability. Uh, and um, and I thought it was um, a, a real opportunity for me to uh, um, do something else in uh, to complete my wine experience. Uh, and I'm here for eight years now. And, uh, and by the way, in the meantime, we have also developed with Martin Brig uh, other properties. We are now, um, uh, we have now a small group of, in the wine business uh, doing, uh, running other vineyards in Cognac, uh, in, uh, uh, with a new distillery and, and some land also. And in uh, Saumur Champigny with Claude Rougeard, in Burgundy with uh, Domaine Rebourseau. And, um, and in in in, uh, in Saint Estep, we also have another chateau Tronquois La Lande, which is a beautiful Cru Bourgeois category wine, and something really to discover. So I'm a happy man. I'm a lucky and happy man. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, something for us all to aspire to. How how has the journey been then with Montrose on sustainability? We'll talk about your potassium bicarbonate. Uh, work in a minute but i'd just like to give the listeners a sense of the journey that you've been on um so tell us a bit about the chateau and the land you're on and the climatic conditions because as we were discussing before we turned on the tape you know saint Steph is very different from being in the grave or being in saint emilion so just give us a sense of uh, the chateau mm-hmm. and some of the sustainability challenges you've been facing with climate and so on yeah i mean to, to start with i mean montrose is um is, uh, is uh, a rather special property located in the northern part of the Médoc, uh, right above Poyac Appellation. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not a big appellation. I mean, altogether, it's, uh, uh, I think there are something like 1,500 uh, uh, hectares of land to where vines are planted. Uh, we have uh, 90 hectares uh, located right on the riverside 
which uh, which um, which is a very which gives us some wonderful climatic opportunities because we have we are sitting on a land which has which is never submitted to extreme temperatures both in winter or summer it's never too warm never too cold no frost uh, I mean the memorable year in 1981 where frost devastating the whole of the Medoc uh, except at Chateau Montrose there was absolutely there was no frost so it's an advantage there are many other advantages to be to be located here where we are we are a single uh, terroir in, in single part uh, it's also historical because we have been uh, able to keep the same borders as those that were classified back in 1835. And we are one of the very, very few chateaus able to say that today. Uh, and the terroir uh, in one block is surrounded by green areas, uh, woods, lands, uh, uh, and uh, um, other places. And there are about 35 hectares, which is not nothing. It's quite consistable, consistent, uh, and uh, it's um, it's important in terms of uh, sustainability because we are um, when we talk about sustainability, we have to consider the place as being global. Uh, it's not just the land of where we plant vines, but with also the surroundings of this land. The soil is composed of uh, gravel. On, a, on, a, on, on two or three meters of gravel with a subsort of clay. And a subsort of clay is essential for uh, uh, running the vineyard all along the year in, a, in, a, in the best possible way because it keeps uh, water, it keeps humidity, and it restores this humidity during the dry summer. So it's, it's, it's working like a, like a big reservoir of uh, water able to go through the driest period of time. And it, it's, uh, uh, in, in a way, I can almost say that the the best vintage or some of the best vintage have been produced under very, very hot summers at Chateau Montrose. I mean, the famous 1980, we have one of the hottest uh, summer in Bordeaux. Uh, later, uh, 2003, uh, Montrose 03 is one of the best 03 produced in Bordeaux. Uh, nine, uh, 2009 is also one of the best Bordeaux produced. And more recently, uh, 18, I think has been awarded by uh, uh, the great majority of price people as being one of the great success of the vintage. So, uh, to summarize all that, we are we are really enjoying uh, a wonderful terroir. It's I don't know if you're familiar with the the, the, the notion of terrace in the middle, but the soils of the middle has been classified years ago by some experts uh, into terraces, and these terraces uh, there there are six in total. And they have a different quality, but best ones are Terra 3 and 4, in particular Terras 4. And if you look at the best chateaus in the Medoc, they all are located, or the, the, the core part of the terroir is located on these terraces. You take Latour as a good example to compare with Montrose, because in, in the past history of the uh, of locally, uh, Montrose has been very often nicknamed the Latour of saint Estep, which is something which is a comparison that pleased me very much. It doesn't disturb the Chateau Latour people we are, with whom we are very friendly, uh, and it, it does say what it what uh, what uh, because it's, it people have, have nicknamed Montrose the Latour of saint Estep because of the the place where Latour where Montrose is located. It's also alongside the river, so is Latour. And so is also Leuville-Lascaz. I mean, it's, uh, the terroir is very, uh, produced terroir very close to the riverside. And as a consequence, are enjoying the influence of the huge amount of water, which consists of this, uh, which uh, gives the estuary of uh, Le Gironde. 
uh, and uh, so we have planted, we have um, a majority of Cabernet Sauvignon planted on the terroir, a little more than 60%, completed by Merlot but for about 30%, and Cabernet Franc and Petit Verdot. And these four varietals are planted exactly where they should be planted. We have double-checked that several times, and every time we, are, we came to the same conclusion that even people in the past, that they didn't have all the tools to, to uh, analyze all that, they made the right choice by just observa obs by observation of the terroir and the climatic conditions. And they planted the Cabernet Sauvignon where they should be planted, the Merlot is the same way, Cabernet Franc and Petit Verdot as well. We are proud to have these four varietals, and we are proud to say that, generally speaking, we are keeping at least a little part of these, uh, even the, the smallest varietals like Cabernet Franc and Petit Verdot, are really completing harmoniously uh, the blend of Chateau Montrose every year. And this is, um, uh, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not suspecting the people not doing that to, to go the wrong way, but uh, uh, definitely at Chateau Montrose, we like to keep these four varietals uh, in the blend, in the final blend, because it's, uh, we believe it's essential to have the complexity of the wine we are producing year after year. Thank you, that's a, that's a really helpful overview. Um, and you mentioned that your approach to sustainable viticulture has been organic. How long has that been happening? These, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, to, to become sustainable was, uh, it's, 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 it's now, it's not a long story, it's almost a long story, because if, if you're, maybe nobody remember, but the, uh, uh, the first bad diseases happening in Bordeaux was in the, late, the end of the 19th century with the, the phylloxera invasion. And, uh, uh, at that time, the proprietor um, of Chateau Montrose decided to go for a natural way of fighting against phylloxera by in, uh, by creating a, 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 how do we call it, an eolian, I mean a windmill, a windmill on the property to extract, to pump water from the subsoil. Wind turbine. Wind turbine, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So, so this, the idea was to actually, because we knew that uh, at the time that uh, the best way to get rid of the phylloxera was to uh, flood the vineyard with water. The phylloxera hates water. Uh, and the phyrox, and, it, and we managed by flooding the, 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 the vineyards with water pumped by this, uh, uh, this uh, tower uh, and system. Uh, we managed to get rid of the flux at least for a while. It didn't last for too long, unfortunately, but uh, we suffered like uh, many others. But it, we, it, it was working, and it was the, the best demonstration that even at that time, the people was start, was starting to be concerned by environmental issues. Much later, when the bricks arrived on the property in 2006, uh, we decided to go for a sustainable policy globally. And the first step we, we did before we went into organic agriculture was to, when going for the big renovation plan that they did, uh, they integrated the uh, sustainability um, um, thinking into the, 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 the renovation program. And so uh, this is at the time that we decided to go for our own production of energy by installing this geothermal uh, well and the uh, solar panels, uh, and the two together, can combine together, are producing almost uh, all the energy we need to run the estate. 
<clears throat> by not polluting, by not uh, um, using um, you know uh, other type of energies producing uh, uh, CO2. So um, that was the first step. Then the second one was we uh, back five years ago, something five six years ago, when we decided to go for organic viticulture, and. Um, uh, interesting enough, when I announced the decision to the staff, uh, I get a round of applause immediately. And uh, I was surprised because I said, well, this may be complicating your, your job. Because by going organic, it means that uh, you need, you're using suddenly uh, a new type of products to protect your vineyard, which are washable. And because they are washable, you have to do the job again as soon as, as, as often as necessary. So it was implying for them to be more flexible on the number of hours they were working per week or per day and to be available also on weekend if necessary. But they accepted that because of, uh, they think it was, it was good for everybody, including themselves. And because they were the first one to be exposed to uh, chemicals if, uh, we, when we were using chemicals. So uh, a, good, a good move uh, for the estate. And... Uh, uh, besides that, we, uh, we, uh, uh, the global approach was to, in fact, reduce the, um, uh, the impact of our activity on the terroir because we, we have uh, on, uh, on our environment because we only have one and it's not renewable. Uh, and uh, so it's important to take care of that. It's preserving the terroir for the future generation. We're not just working for ourselves. We have to work for the future as well. And we have to give in heritage to the future generation something which is in good, in good shape, in good, uh, in good state. Uh, uh, perpetuate the activity producing red wine. Uh, that's, of course, essential. Uh, meeting customers' expectations today, because I think, as, as I was saying this before, customers do expect to be able to drink and eat things that are produced in uh, uh, with with uh, environmental uh, consideration, uh, and the more and more, and it goes very fast. I think that uh, within the last ten years, the people's um, the customers' reaction uh, is. I can see that when I'm shopping in supermarket, people are, do look at the ingredients list more and more, and uh, so it is it is becoming a global concern, including in Southeast Asia. I can tell. I ask you, um, are you? Um are you certified organic? We're not certified because uh, uh, certification uh, in France uh, is a good thing. I'm not criticizing, but the uh, they don't. Uh, you have to apply a certain number of rules, and you have to you you're you're limited in terms of use of product. Uh, those that are certified, uh, but the uh, the science and the people making researches to go for. Uh, new generational products are going faster than the French administration. So, as, in other words, I'm saying that uh, we don't want to restrict ourselves into a certain number of rules when we think the rules is not going as fast or as far as we think we wish to do. Uh, so, we we don't want to have we want to have no limits in our research to produce cleaner and cleaner product. But in terms of how you run the vineyard. Organic is a minimum that you wouldn't go below. Is that what you're saying? No, that's right. That's right. Organic is minimum, and the uh, and we still use uh, copper uh, to protect the milieu. I mean, a certain amount, of course, is limited. The dosage is limited today, which is a good thing. 
but we are studying, um, uh, we are spending a lot of time and energy and money in studying a new generation of product that will protect the milieu against milieu without using copper. Yes, I understand so, copper levels are so much lower than they used to be. Oh, so much, so much. One of your counterparts in another chateau two years ago took me into the vineyard in June and he said to me, he's down in Margot, and he said, if you had been here with me 20 years ago, 30 years ago, standing in this vineyard now in June, everything would be blue. Absolutely. <laughs> I do remember that. I do remember that clearly. The vines, the leaves were, were all blue. You could, you could hardly, hardly see anything green. Uh, okay. Today, this uh, has disappeared because of the dosage, which is completely different. Of course, but I mean, th thankfully, that copper has not proven to be harmful for human health because we enjoy those wines from those vintages today and there's, there's no problem. Do you, do, you do you consider it a risk that copper builds up in the soil from back then? I mean, people say sometimes copper doesn't go away, but then it can't build up too much, I guess, otherwise you'd notice it in your testing. <clears throat> no, you, you have to be careful with the uh, dosage you use and you have to be careful with the uh, concentration of copper into the soil. Uh, but there are ways today to get rid of the copper by planting a certain amount, certain plants to, uh, that absorb the copper and then when you harvest them and then you are eliminating part of the copper that is uh, in your soil in, in too large proportion. So we are doing that, but the ultimate goal will be to find a new generation of product not using copper and doing the same job to protect the vines against mildew in particular. I've been hearing about a term in French which doesn't translate very easily into English around kind of biocontrol. Excuse me for, I don't know if I've got Beautiful, that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that a, a series of, I guess it's a technology or it's, um, do, what do you know about that? Is that something that's on your agenda? Yeah, Biocontrol is, uh, is, is, a, is more, um, yeah, it's kind of, I would say, a direction that we are taking to um, uh, study everything possible to uh, control our production uh, with a, 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 an organic behavior. If you see what I mean, it's uh, so everything we do uh, <clears throat> must find um, must 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 be included into the global strategy, which is to be cleaner and cleaner. In other words, I mean to summarize that, if I, I could say that uh, we have um, we wish to tomorrow uh, be in a situation with that able to t that, that can allow us to say that whatever we take to nature. We have to give it back to nature one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So this is when we decided to recycle, for instance, the green waste on the property. Everything is now collected and then transformed into uh, an organic compost, uh, which is used uh, to uh, fertilize the soil of Chateau Montrose. So that is the good example of a complete circle of, of good news. Uh, before that, we were just burning the salmon, uh, the, the pruning of the, of the vines. And by doing that, we were generating even more CO2 than, uh, than during fermentation. Yeah. Uh, so uh, to combat the CO2 issue, I mean, we are, <clears throat> the, one of the recent decisions we took on the property was to collect uh, from the fermentation, from the vats, all the CO2 produced by the fermentation and then transform the CO2 into bicarbonate, uh, either sodium or potassium. Uh, so, if you, you, you then realize that if you want to really follow a certain 
policy uh, uh, to protect the environmental the, the environment and you and if you are trying to really um, find every way possible to, to to keep the strategy totally intact and pure then you will find new ways to to, to work Mm. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's and we we have discovered only a part of what we'll be doing tomorrow. I'm sure of that. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit about what you're doing in the winery. It sounds really interesting. I saw a really interesting quote from Dr. Richard Smart, who uh, who writes you know climate change wine expert, and he said at some point it could become socially unacceptable for wineries to be emitting the kind of carbon they're emitting during fermentation. It's just that nobody knows about it, but soon everybody will, and people could start measuring it, and it could be a problem for wineries. So you guys are clearly getting ahead of the game in this kind of circular economy, circular approach. Um, but just tell us how it works. Um, how do you, what's the technology to capture 100% uh, of the CO2 from fermentation? Uh, well, the uh, you, you know how the uh, this is which something which will be more difficult to apply in Burgundy because we are working in Burgundy during fermentation with open vats. Uh, in Bordeaux, the vats are open, but uh, the diameter of the uh, exhaust is much smaller than the, the, the dimension of the Burgundy uh, Burgundy vats. So it's it's relatively easy with uh, some sort of funnel to really capture the CO2 getting out of the vat and then pumped it through pipes, pipelines uh, to take these, these gas into uh, an installation outside of the, of the, of the cellar. And uh, where we are, <clears throat> I'm not an expert in the, in the, in the system, but uh, where we are um, uh, putting together the, uh, uh, in, into, into a, a sort of a liquid. I mean, to, we, we want to make in contact the CO2 with uh, the potassium or the sodium, uh, so that it becomes, chemically speaking, a bicarbonate. Uh, so uh, I'm not a scientist uh, expert enough to explain you in detail what it's all about, but the, this is the, the idea of the, of, the, of the system. And in the end, what we get from the system is a powder, it's the white powder. Mm -hmm. uh, and this white powder is it's the bicarbonate. Uh, it's like salt, it looks like salt. And um, in a minute, let me ask you what we can do with that. But in terms of the technology you've installed, I note from your website you've worked with Alcyon SED Violia as a sort of technology partner. Um, yes. Is, is yes. it expensive? Um, I, know, I know, how do you define expensive? I know, but I don't know what you can tell us about the ability of wineries that may not have the same kind of financial resources that you guys do. Yeah, is it something that they can do as well? Uh, well, we, we have not invested into the, mech the, 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 the mechanism, the, 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 the machinery. We are, we are, we are renting it. Uh, and um, it has a cost, uh, but this cost in due time will be compensated by the money we can get from uh, the use of bicarbonate, either for our own use or by setting it out for other people that are using bicarbonate for their own production. Okay. Well, let's talk about what. what uh, I mean, have you found somewhere to sell it? What can it be used for? I suppose. Um, well, outside of our, our, our business, uh, I have learned that uh, I think it's the bicarbonate of potassium, which which is used by people producing spiruline. Spiruline is a green uh, protein mm. uh, used in particular by sports people. Mm -hmm. 
uh, in the sports world uh, or by uh, countries that are that do not have sufficient food to feed their population so it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's widely uh, distributed all over the world and the spiruline is actually one of the, the, the essential ingredient to produce spiruline is the bicarbonate of potassium okay so, so there are there is a market there is an international market to buy this white powder uh, uh, rather uh, and rather important so uh, but ideally we are doing that for our own use and we are into very important researches that I cannot speak about because there's nothing has been has been released yet on that but we are trying to find a way to uh, use uh, all the quantity of bicarbonate produced by the property on the property and by the property Okay, great. And, and why did you decide to do this particular thing? Yeah, I mean, just, just one. Why this? Yeah. When, for instance, I mean, to, to complete what I was talking about, uh, the bicarbonate of sodium uh, is the basic ingredient to, uh, for washable product. Uh, it's, it's something which is classically used to clean surface uh, or many things. Okay. And so just to... Yeah, that last question is to reiterate. I mean, why did you do this as opposed to doing something else? I mean, you could have said, we're going to go biodynamic. You could have said, we're going to plant more trees. And I know you have some trees already, but why this approach rather than something else? Because there are, there are, there are, uh, it's, it's, everybody talks about pollution. And, um, and this question came to us in a way that we were, um, wondering in which way we are a polluting industry and uh, uh, so we, we were when we when we were using chemicals to protect the vineyards in the past now that we're going using organic products it's not the case anymore uh, but it, very quickly after that we did uh, well co2 i mean we we have installed one of the most uh, advanced uh, machinery to produce our own energy on the estate and uh, but we still produce co2 in two large quantities the buildings have been completely uh, rebuilt or restored here by it considering that uh, uh, a building has to be air conditioned or heated in the either summer or winter the energy used to heat or air condition a building uh, uh, is produced by us but if the buildings have been restored in such a way that uh, the um, isolation has been worked properly, then you can reduce your, the, the need for energy by half. So by doing that, we reduce the energy needs by 50%. So it's by, it's by continuing to ask ourselves the right questions that we are discovering day after day or year after year, new uh, ideas, new issues to uh, to to go for so it's about cutting your footprint and cutting your costs and, and really that's right that's polluting well let's talk um we're close to the end here i don't want to keep you all, all day um but i i wanted to ask you about two two other areas one is um how you talk to customers about this because if i go on your website i see you know you, you've got a lot of information about this but I, I imagine it's not going on the bottle anytime soon so how do you plan to talk to customers about about what you uh, 
You, 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 you know that today the uh, communication is uh, certainly made through a website, but it's also made through uh, social uh, networks. Uh, Facebooks, Instagram, and we are using all these new tools, and that's a way to uh, talk to our customers directly. Um, and the more we go, the more we wish to talk to our customers directly, our consumers directly, um, and uh, because these are the people making the final decision. Either they buy our wine or they don't buy our wine. So we have to find a way and to develop new ways to be in contact with these uh, group of people that are actually catching the bottle on the shelf and putting it in a basket to, for future consumption. Uh, and these are the people that have to know. Putting this on the, on, the, on the label, on the back label, is difficult because we wish to uh, communicate what we do by telling people stories. People love stories. Uh, they love good, good stories uh, that make them happy and smiling. And uh, we are in a world where there are uh, bad news are falling every day. Uh, so we wish to be one of the few that are bringing good news to the consumers. And that's a way to bring good news to the consumers. We say we, we take care of your health. We take care of you the way you live, and you have to be careful with that because you only have one life. And what you, what do you, it's, you know, to, to, to come back to why, what, that's a very important question. I mean, why in the past, people were not using chemicals before the Second World War, people were, plant, were, were working in a vineyard in a very natural way. Uh, um, not, say, not to say sustainable way, but organic viticulture was the thing that was done by everybody. And after the Second World War, the big question was, the big question was to make sure that we were, we were producing sufficient food and drink to feed the populations of the world. And this is where the American influence started to influence us. And the chemicals happened at a time. The, the, the big question was to feed population. And the wine people started to use that in a larger quantity than before to save the crops. Uh, today, the goal is not to save crops. The goal is to produce good wine. Yes, absolutely. Um, There's a big difference. And I can see your point about um, a carbon logo on the back of your bottle doesn't tell the story, right? That's what you're saying. Uh, it's too, uh, it's not romantic enough. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> we can say carbon free or we can say sulfide free or in one day, hopefully. Uh, but will it speak to the consumers? in a way that he understands what he's talking about, what we are talking about, I'm not so sure. I think it's uh, a bottle of fine wine becomes, um, can be the subject of, of a conversation over a dinner. So people to hosting a group of friends, uh, if they all like to know stories about the wine, so they can tell their friends who doesn't know those stories. Mm -hmm. So by just putting CO2 free on a packet label, I don't think it's sufficient. Is it, and it doesn't tell all the story behind. I think the, uh, the story we wish to tell is, to, is a complete story on the estate. Uh, and we want to go for a global policy. I mean, the sustainable policy we are following is global. It's nothing or global. Uh, but working bit by bit by, you know, uh, transforming the CO2 into bicarbonate is not sufficient you be, if you behave badly in the vineyard. Uh, you see what I mean? It's, uh, uh, so we're trying to link everything together and every element of the strategy is important and is definitely linked. It's global. Mm -hmm. So talking of global, do you plan to take the practices you've pioneered at Montrose and put them elsewhere in the portfolio of properties that the group owns? 
Oh, it's done already. It's uh, it's it's done already. I mean, in in Clairougeard, in Saumur-Chambigny, this is one of the properties actually that never went for chemicals in their whole history. I mean, this property exists for eleven generations or twelve generations, uh, and uh, they have and the 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 uh, they they've been doing their massage selection all the time. They didn't buy any vine vine um, the roots outside of the property. Uh, and they, they 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 were following an organic an organic viticulture method from the origin of the property. Uh, the same didn't apply in such in the same way in Burgundy, but we are we have already uh, since we uh, made this acquisition, we have uh, they had gone before into organic viticulture and partly by by dynamic viticulture, and we are going for even further today. Okay. So it's it's applied. The only place where it's a little bit more difficult is the cognac, uh, but in cognac uh, the issue can be a little bit different because in cognac it's a, the product cognac is a product of the distillation. A distilled product uh, doesn't keep any of the um, any trace or any 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 um, of the ingredients used for spraying the vines or treating the, the vineyards. So it's, uh, but it's not a, a reason sufficient enough not to pay attention to environmental issues, the same way as in other states. But organic viticulture in Kenya has not developed yet, and we probably will be one of the first to implement that into uh, our strategy in the future. I think um, there was an announcement by LVMH, if I'm not mistaken, in February at Vinexpo in Paris when I was there. And I think they, they announced something like uh, the end of herbicides in cognac by 2025, or maybe earlier. I don't know if you, you heard about that, but it certainly seems like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I remember that. I remember that. And we, we are doing that. We are doing that. We are also... Uh, alongside with the image um, uh, properties in cognac, but we are also doing that. But that's not too difficult to uh, to implement. What's more difficult to implement is to section uh, put on the vines itself, on the vine itself, to uh, against mildew and against uh, uh, oidium or other diseases um, in the vineyard because the. Uh, you have to produce um, in, in cognac a certain amount of yield per hectare to really make it uh, worthwhile. Of course, of course. Well, look, one final question um, is around Bordeaux itself. We, we were discussing before we turned on the recording that um, there's a, not a huge amount of coordination between the big Bordeaux chateaus and perhaps some of the smaller ones on sustainability. Lots of chateaus are doing their, their own thing. And someone said to me once in Bordeaux, you'll find all, the, all of the big players, they're all doing something, but they're all doing their own kind of thing, even though it's headed in the same direction. Do you think that's a good thing? Or do, does there need to be a bit more coordination so that chateaus can learn from each other? It, it's, it's, I think there are, there are, I can answer in two ways. Uh, first of all, the, uh, the properties in Bordeaux are big enough to have uh, internally their own um, uh, R&D uh, department uh, to develop new technology or to study new uh, issues. Um, and that is not the case, that couldn't be the case in Burgundy where the, uh, they have to uh, mutualize some of their researches. Um, Bordeaux has always kept some sort of independent spirit in the way they were, they were producing their wine. Uh, 
There are cooperation at, at certain levels. Uh, we, we, we do talk to uh, a few other chateaus uh, with who we are, with, we are. We are sharing the same philosophy. I mean, it's, it's very recent that uh, talking about organic viticulture or sustainability in Bordeaux uh, was a common, a common subject. Uh, it was, it was a, a part of the strategy in certain estates. But for the majority of the estate, it wasn't part of our strategy. Uh, so we, um, we 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 did it our way, and we uh, but we are sharing part of the strategy uh, or part of the, uh, the, the experimentation with the, with other estates, but not many, not many. But again, I mean, the I think the uh, uh, the, the main reason for the, for doing the way we do is the fact that we are working on a on an estate that is large enough to justify to have uh, our own experimentations. Well, thank you. Um, this has been a fascinating conversation. I should let you get on with your day, but thank you so much for sharing the work you've been doing. And uh, you're welcome to us. Thank you. Thank you.